my name. Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone. You Are Not Alone is a 1v1 horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG-loving friend. Before we get started, if you like the podcast, please consider rating and reviewing us on whatever podcatcher you use. It really helps other folks find us. If you'd like to be a guest, recommend a game, or just say hi, you can find me on Twitter at NotAlone underscore horror, or email me at YouUAreNotAlonePod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. This week I have something really exciting we're going to get started with. We have a game that's coming to Kickstarter in October that is called Haunted Hill Academy. It is a game about a haunted boarding school. Imagine a, a separate piece, but with ghosts and maybe a dash of Harry Potter or magic school fantasy mixed in. It is a, a really fascinating fate engine game that does some really cool stuff around both horror and academics in games, and I'm really excited to be playing it. Joining me to run the game this week is the creator, Jeffrey Hayes. Hey, Jeffrey, how's it going? Fantastic. I mean, I just got my game gushed about for a minute, so I'm feeling amazing. <laughs> I, it is it, it, it is one of those small pleasures when you get to hear someone say nice things about your game. Truly, yeah. I feel like listening in on gossip, but it's like all positive. It's a great feeling. I I try I try my my best to make all of my gossip positive. Wonderful. <laughs> so yeah, so I am really excited uh, to have you on to play this game. Uh, it's coming to Kickstarter in October. We are uh, recording this very early, so if people hear us referencing things that happened months ago, that is why. But this will be getting released in the weeks leading up to the Kickstarter, so folks uh, can listen to it and get a feel for what the game is. So I guess before we talk about Haunted Hill Academy, just give us a, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, where on the interwebs folks can find you. For sure, yeah. I am actually a professional game master. It's how I make my living. And it... I came to that through a background in both theater and psychology. I used to be uh, a drama therapist for a couple of years. And then I was the forever DM of my group. And I was like, I wonder if I could make a living out of this. And it turns out I can. So it's been amazing. I work with all manner of people, lots of, you know, adults, but also uh, kids ages eight and up who are just the treasure trove of my life when they come up with the weirdest stuff to put into games. You have not lived until you've played a horror game with an eight-year-old. Oh, I, I, am, <laughs> I, I have played, I have, uh, I have godchildren and friends with kids. So I've gotten to play games with kids, but I've not gotten to run a horror game for kids. And that sounds like really my new, uh, new goal in life. It is truly incredible. Like kids with horror will take it into places that you are not thinking they will take it to make it so much scarier. <laughs> and it's just awesome. That is so awesome. <laughs> I'm also sitting over here very jealous that you're a professional game master because that also sounds amazing. Yeah, it it truly is a dream come true. I will not lie to you. <laughs> Everyone listening who's like, oh, I wish, I wish my, my primary job could be game related. <laughs> but that's, that's really awesome. And it 
just such a cool do you do so like you were a drama therapist do you do like therapeutic gaming at all or primarily just kind of standard gaming I yeah I don't really make that distinction I think even before I was a therapist all of my games really kind of went to a uh, a caring and psychological place so I definitely drop in with the player and check in with feelings and what they want to get from the game experience and I feel like you know that's that's just kind of my style I definitely don't call it therapeutic gaming because I'm not currently licensed as a psychotherapist so i'm not going to you know put it out there and say this is therapeutic but i definitely do like to make the game uh an emotional experience that can definitely inform what you want to do with your life that's really cool that is before the pandemic i had been working with a group where trying to start a games based after school program largely because of how powerful games can be as kind of a therapeutic outlet and also a learning tool for, you know, someone struggling with math. You can find some like crunchy numbers-based board games and role-playing games and, you know, help strengthen those kind of skills. And that is a line that, you know, we've, uh, as we've looked into it, have learned like, you know, we need to be very careful because the current group, there are no licensed therapists. So like we are certainly not, the goal is not for therapeutic gaming until we can get someone who could actually facilitate that Mm -hmm, for sure. But it's just such a, it's always cool to me to hear about like that kind of stuff happening because I, I do think, you know, when I was a teenager playing role-playing games, I don't think I realized how valuable of an experience that was for me. But Mm -hmm. now as uh, someone in my late thirties, looking back at my teenage years, it's amazing to me how much of like, social anxiety issues I had and like they're still there but they are much much more controlled and that is largely thanks to Dungeons and Dragons (laughs) that's awesome I love that but yeah so that is really cool I'm excited to hear that there are folks out there doing that but I guess really we should talk about the thing we are here to talk about which is Haunted Hill Academy so tell us just briefly what the game is, and then we'll kind of break it down and talk a little bit in more detail about it. But give us the the elevator pitch. Yeah, I mean, basically the idea is you get to take on the role of a student going to a boarding school that is rumored to be haunted or magical in some way. And you are there to be a good student and to learn, allegedly. But you are also there to get to the bottom of whatever mysteries you find and explore and have a good time. It's a sandbox game, and it's a game about deciding who you're going to become someday when you grow up, if you grow up at all. Um, <laughs> I guess that is a debatable, <laughs> a debatable topic among uh, among adults. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, so yeah, it is uh, it is a really cool and like I, there is a bit of wish fulfillment in this for me in that like if you had come to me as like a 15 year old and we're like, hey, there's this super haunted boarding school. Do you want to go? 15 year old Blaine would have been like first class there, like a uh, first bus you can get me on to get me to this weird haunted boarding school. Absolutely. It would have been everything even more than like a Harry Potter you're a wizard Harry moment. Like 100% agree. Hard agree. 
<laughs> give me a, give me a weird, creepy, haunted building anytime. Yeah, don't give me a letter telling me that I'm a wizard. Give me a letter from a long-lost relative who's dead, whose only wish was for me to attend this creepy haunted boarding school to t- fulfill my secret family legacy, but I don't know what it is. Maybe an heirloom is in there. That's what I want. It is it is it is so everything I want in a in a story of me thinking about being a teenager again. Absolutely. So you uh you you are using it's a powered by fate game. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool, primarily because I don't I mean they exist, but I don't see a whole lot of powered by fate horror games. Mm-hmm. And when I thought about that, it like it feels weird to me. Because fate is a really good system for horror. And I wanted to just, I guess, start by asking, like, what made you decide fate over any other, you know, powered by system? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I wasn't actually necessarily thinking about the mechanics of it at first. It was more like, uh, I actually developed this game with real life teenagers who I had pitched to them this idea of, you know, let's pretend to go to a haunted boarding school. They were like, oh my gosh, I'm in. How do we do it? And I game jammed this with a bunch of kids and we went through a bunch of different iterations of this. There was a version of this that was very board gamey and was basically a hack of Betrayal at the House on the Hill. I I could see that. Um, <laughs> and I, I that is one of my favorite board games. It is literally both on the wall behind me right now and uh, magnetized on my fridge because I love it so much that I needed multiple places for it to be in my house. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I feel like I need to ask a lot of questions about that, but I'm gonna I'll leave that for another time. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but I think it just came up sort of organically. I did think about other systems like uh, powered by the apocalypse, but then. The thing that I thought about with that is I would need to create so many specific moves and types of moves and playbooks and would I want playbooks, etc. Whereas with Fate, because the the skill system is so open-ended, it really made me feel like I could kind of craft my own set of skills that were something else, which is what happened being the case here. Uh, I ended up going with identities for this game because so much of the high school experience is you know, where do you fit in, if at all? Yeah, I really love love the identity system here. For our listeners, like, instead of, if you've played Fate before, instead of having, like, a list of skills, you have kind of the classic high school tropes. Oh, definitely. These are very, they're archetypes, but, you know, they're stereotypes, too. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, like, you can't, you can't get away from that when you're telling a high school story. Like we, we as people have not developed enough to like really break entirely (laughs) free from stereotypes and tropes as teenagers. And like those, those tropes and kind of cliches exist in high school movies because they are timeless. But I love that as a concept, instead of having like, all right, well, here's your athletic skill. Here is your talking to people skill. Instead, it's like, all right, well, if you're trying to, like, you know, schmooze uh, another person, like another student at the school, you're going to be rolling with star because you're outgoing. But if you want to, like, if you want to get in the good graces of a teacher, 
that is, you know, being a legacy at the school because you can kind of lord your family name over them. Mm -hmm. And it just lets you do really cool things where it's more about engaging with who you are and not just like a list of skills that you could have. Yeah, yeah. And I would also say it's a bit how you do things, right? Like, it's less what you're doing and if you can work it into part of who you are as you do it. Yeah, I I love that. And I love, <laughs> I love seeing people moving away from kind of the, the standards of role-playing games, moving away from, like, attributes and skill lists and moving towards problem-solving styles. Yeah, definitely. And that was definitely important with this game. There was a time when I built this game in GURPS. Um, and it was very different. And I do like that version of this game, I won't lie. I, I, I love my GURPS books. I love my thousands upon thousands of skills and my point by. But it just wasn't telling the kinds of stories that this version does. And I really do like that this version of the game gets you thinking about what your character wants and needs and that that gets like tied into the actual mechanics of it. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really wonderful way to ask people to envision their characters. Thank you. And it keeps, uh, it keeps, it keeps you in the mindset of your character and out of the mindset of like, what's the mechanical choice here? Mm-hmm which I think is really in, like important in heavy role-playing games where like anytime you need to bring dice into it, the less you can make people think about the actual mechanics, the better. Mm. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> the other thing that is really interesting to me about fate um, and where I think that like it does really cool things with horror and what I think that this game does, does really well is the aspect system of fate. And in Haunted Hill Academy, you have your core belief, why your character chose this particular academy, their greatest desire, and their plague in question. And, you know, all different fate games use different aspects. But, like, I think both from a role-playing perspective of having just that, like, simple sentence that helps you get into the like the mindset of your character which i think is important for horror but what i think is really interesting is like in fate you can compel and offer fate points based on like you probably don't want to do this thing but like it appeals to one of your aspects and i feel like that's a great tool for the gm in a horror game mhm to be able to be like listen like i know your character does not want to go investigate that creaking floorboard. <laughs> but what if I offered you a fate point because your core belief is like everything has an answer? Yes. It's a really great way to get the players to engage in the horror of the story. Yeah, yeah. And not even from the point of view of like, you know, trying to give them incentive by giving them the fate point because it's the fate point system is both carrot and stick at the same time. If you want to refuse uh, a compel, you have to pay one of your fate points. And so just the act of getting a compel from the GM where the GM says, like, this is what I what I think is happening for your character right now. 
whether you accept or refuse, you are learning a lot about your character in that moment. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because you like then you have to be like, if you want to refuse it and you want to spend that fate point, like, why is my character who wants to know the answer, like, thinks that there's an answer to everything, why wouldn't they go investigate this creaking floorboard? Yeah. It's just such a cool system, and I like I'm surprised because like with Powered by the Apocalypse, which I like I love PBTA games. It with Powered by the Apocalypse, it feels like almost every other Powered by the Apocalypse game is a horror game. There are just so many horror PBTA games. And with Fate, uh, like there are a couple, mm-hmm. but they feel few and far between compared to other systems, which is just odd to me because I do think it it feels like a good system for horror. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so I guess the, the other thing that is kind of interesting, both interesting and unique with Haunted Hill Academy is so you you play these characters who are living in a haunted house and most likely exploring strange haunted phenomenon, but they're also students. Mm-hmm. And so you have an academic standing system. Yes. In, in the game, uh, which I, <laughs> I love. I, I love that. Like the school part of this game is like still present and is mechanized. Mm hmm. So I guess like first, uh, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about that? Since this is something that uh, very few other games are doing. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think one thing that was important to me from the get-go is we're telling a story about underaged people. And I don't want to assume that death is on the table when we're dealing with teenagers. And so I wanted to have an out for the story for people who don't want to see their character killed off to still, you know, tell a horror story and see it come to a satisfying conclusion. So something that's baked into the game is this academic standing and this idea that if you it's A through F and if you ever reach F, you face possible expulsion and you leave Haunted Hill Academy if you get expelled, and your story at Haunted Hill Academy ends. The system only exists to tell the story of what happens to your character at Haunted Hill Academy. So expulsion is really on par with character death. And so you are constantly needing to be aware of whether or not you're doing well enough to in school to stay there. Uh, there are things that can boost your academic standing, like going to class, uh, you know, doing your homework, etc. And there are plenty of things that can bring it down. And it's just this somewhat background stressor, this constant reminder of like, oh, yeah, I'm here to learn ostensibly. I'm not here to, you know, investigate my grandmother's ghost or whatever. I'm supposed to get an education here. I want to go to the Forbidden Wing. <laughs> but I want to live in the Forbidden Wing. <laughs> But I have a calculus test on Friday, and yes. I guess I should prepare for that. And honestly, it it really was uh, cathartic for me to write these mechanics because it really resonated for my experience of grad school. <laughs> I grew up in like a small town, and so I came to San Francisco for grad school, which was like huge, big city for me at the time. And so much of my learning and development during that time was not happening in the classroom, in my grad school experience, it was happening through all the people I was meeting through grad school and 
all these other experiences I was having. But I had to like stay in grad school to have those experiences. And I feel like I've kind of captured that feeling with uh, the system. Yeah, that is, uh, I I had a very similar experience. (laughs) Not quite big city, but moving from like a small farming town to uh, like medium sized, very close to Philadelphia town. Mm hmm. At the at the same time that I was starting grad school and that idea of like trying to to grow as a person in all of the ways that like you need the real world to grow as a person, uh, but then also having grad school uh, and all of the student loans that you're taking out for it <laughs> looming over your head. Yes. Yeah, and I think it. And I mentioned this when we were talking about the game and kind of the topics that I would like to talk about. What I really love about that is, you know, I th- when you're telling a horror story, like the most important thing to me is managing the tension created by the horror. And, you know, there are a lot of ways to decrease that tension. But the fact that this game does it by interjecting something that is drastically different but equally tense is really, to me, wonderful. <laughs> because it's like, all right, well, like last night I dealt with a ghost and that was terrifying. And now I have to deal with that calculus test, which is equally terrifying, but in a different way. Yeah, it really speaks to how, at least how I viewed stakes when I was in high school of like, here's this thing, the this ghost or this supernatural phenomenon that could literally kill me. And yet right now, whether I pass or fail this test truly has a bigger impact on the rest of my life. It's true. (laughs) If the ghost kills you, then you don't really have to worry about the bad grade you just got. Exactly. Like, there's so much more stress on whether or not you succeed and what it means for the rest of your life. And it's like, honestly, I'll take my chances with the ghost. Yeah, it is. It's (laughs) sort of terrifying, but that really is. Is there anything else in particular that, like, for the for the purposes of the Kickstarter, you would like to highlight or talk about? You know, nothing nothing comes to mind immediately. Okay, perfect. And if we need to interject, we can always interject with little clarifications or anything like that. But I guess in that case, we are probably good good to start playing. Hooray! So I kind of, I decided uh, to kind of come into this. I have some basic character concepts in my mind, but I figured uh, for since we're doing this for a Kickstarter game, we would kind of walk through character creation step by step to just get people kind of acclimated to what that looks like. Absolutely. So if you want to, if you want to lead me through character creation, I'll kind of uh, work on that again as I... Uh, Using the ideas I have, I will mold them into (laughs) a playable character. Fantastic. I love it. Actually, before we get into character creation itself, I'd love to just quickly do lines and veils since we are doing horror. Okay. And, you know, some things that come up. I, I feel like I don't need to warn you about things that can come up in a horror game since this is your podcast and this is what you do. But other things that come up uh, that sometimes surprise people is just I want to remind people that this is an East Coast boarding school and there is a certain level of inherent colonialism, racism, sexism, etc. And so some of those themes can come up unless we line them out. 
And this is also a coming of age story. And so there are things that young people face as they grow up that can be part of this story unless we don't want them to be. So with both of those things on the table and also with your normal horror lines and veils, is there anything that you want to make sure we don't approach in this story or that we approach it like arm's length? So for me, my like my main line is generally abuse involving children. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that like generally I try to steer clear of. As far as veils go, I tend to put a veil on abuse against pet animals mm-hmm. and torture. Those are things like I don't mind them being in a story, but I like I prefer not to see them center stage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. Is there anything in particular like as a player, it's a little bit different, but for you, are there any lines and veils uh, as far as stuff that like I should try to not introduce to the story? Yeah, yeah. I will just say that, you know, sexual assault will not be part of this game. But other than that, I don't think I have any lines that I need you to be aware of. But if they come up and play, I will also speak up and let you know. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I always when I run run games, I use the X card as well. So, um, awesome. You know, I'm comfortable if either of us hit a point, just saying, let's X that. Yay! I love to hear that. All right. Yes, I am happy to run you through some character creation. Let's do it. Excellent. I am all set. I've got the character sheet up. I'm ready for this. Heck yeah. Awesome. So we can start one of two ways. We can either start by figuring out your aspects, which are the short sentences that kind of tell us more about your character, or we can dive in and start assigning identity points. Do you feel strongly one way or the other? Um, I could go either way. What, what do you what do you find is best? I, I really like to do it uh, aspects first. So if you don't feel strongly, let's go ahead and go for that. Okay. Awesome. So we'll start off. I'm just going to read these off for the good folks at home. And then you can tell me which one you feel the strongest pull toward to start with. So we've got our core belief. Your sense of self can change a lot in this game, but your core belief keeps you on the right path. It is your moral compass, your guiding light. Uh, a reminder of how to approach the world. Your core belief can change in game, but if it does, it's like a life-changing shift. We've got Why Haunted Hill Academy. Obviously, it's an institution that people, you know, really want to go to. There can be any number of reasons for that. Some people might not have actually chosen to come here, and that's an important thing to say here if that's the case. Greatest Desire. This is kind of between like a goal and a wish. Sometimes it's short-term, sometimes it's long-term, but it is always phrased as an I want statement, and it says something about when, you know what your character values and how far ahead they're looking. I've had some people say that you know they were, wanted to do like a lifetime goal, and my personal favorite is still, I want to take Stacey Kevinson to prom. I, I love that one so much. Me too. It's just such a like sweet, endearing, greatest <laughs> desire in the midst of all of this this chaos it's it's truly adorable and then to really contrast that feeling we've got our plaguing question the question that wakes you up in a cold sweat at 3 a.m uh something that challenges you your values your sense of reality your trust in others your trust even in yourself 
This is the best chance that the player has to telegraph to the guide what flavor of horror you want your character to experience. So I really encourage players when they're choosing their plaguing question to think, is this something that I really want to explore and have bother my character? Excellent. Uh, So I think I will start with why Haunted Hill. Yes. Which is uh, for this character that I'm, I'm envisioning a fairly easy one, which is that let's say how old do you envision haunted hill being as far as like the academy element of it as long as there have been photographs there have been photographs of haunted hill academy okay no one is sure exactly when it was founded so i think my character is like like seventh generation lineage love it like his family has been coming to haunted hill if not from the beginning, from very early on in its history. Mm-hmm. And so I I don't think he actually really wants to be at Haunted Hill. Mm-hmm. But like he he just did there was zero zero choice as far as his his father would hear nothing other than you're going to Haunted Hill. Yeah, totally. So how do you want to phrase that for like, we want to kind of come up with a a pithy thing that really encapsulates everything you just said. And I could see that being something like uh, there was no other, other option or father wouldn't have it any other way. I like father wouldn't have it any other way. Awesome. That is, I feel like that is a really good. So then I think, so the other thought I had and this probably is part of why I don't want to be here. Um, but I think before I actually like packed, like the summer before I packed up and came to Haunted Hill, I went to visit my grandparents. Mm. And my grandfather, who was, of course, a graduate of Haunted Hill, told me that I shouldn't go. Ooh. And that there's something dangerous there. Yes. And so. I'm so sorry. I need to know the specifics of this moment because I'm picturing two very like clear cinematic scenes. And I don't know if it's either of them. I'm picturing him like in his bed clutching your hand. And I'm also picturing him like, you know, you're like going about your business in the house and he just kind of brushes past you for a moment and looks at you intently and then just goes about the rest of his day. I, I like both of those. (laughs) I think what I am envisioning is that like he, he is ill Mm -hmm. and it's more of the bed, the bed scene where like, maybe I was sent for a couple weeks to stay with them because I like, they needed help taking care of my grandfather. Yeah. And I don't know if he, like, I don't think he's necessarily dying, but, like, there was an accident of some sort. Yeah. And he's, like, recovering in bed. Mm-hmm. And so there's that moment of, like, I bring him, like, a bowl of soup and set it down, and I'm, like, going to leave the room, and he grabs my hand. Ooh, yeah. And he's, like, you know, don't, don't go there's something dangerous in the forbidden wing. Mm. 
and that's it. Like he kind of passes out and so like, there are no questions. If I brought it up later, he doesn't remember what I was talking about. So I think my plaguing question is what is the dangerous thing in the forbidden wing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oof. So I have to think, I feel like, like, and now kind of thinking about identities a little bit, like, obviously I'm going to have some points in legacy, but I'm trying to think of like, what, what did, what would my character rather have done than go to haunted hill? Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause that will kind of define where some of my other points go. Yeah. I love the way you're thinking about it. And I think I sort of love the idea. And like, this is definitely coming from having read the book of like, being like a punk rock kid who like my dream was to go to like a music school and learn to play guitar. So I could be like the lead singer, lead guitarist of a punk rock band. Mm -hmm. So I think that my greatest desire is I'm trying to, I'm debating between it being like the kind of anti-authoritarianness of punk rock or just like, really genuinely wanting to start a band. Oh yeah. Um, I, maybe your character doesn't know yet. It's true. I, I, th- I think it is. I think like, I'm still a little bit too young to understand like the full, like political gravitas of punk rock. So I do think it is really just that, like he wants to start a band real bad. Mm hmm. So I think that at least at the start of the story is kind of his greatest desire of like, just want to start a band and I have to go to this stupid old haunted building. (laughs) I love that. I'm really curious to see if that greatest desire morphs during the course of our game. It very, I, I feel like it could, I feel like that is the, like a very mutable part of him. Um, where like right now it just feels like it would be cool to start a band and that is like his all consuming passion. But like most teenagers next week, it could very, very well be <laughs> entirely different. Cool. So what is my core belief? This I'm very curious about and I'm wondering how much of it is informed by your upbringing and how much of it is like rebelling against that. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I feel like like on the surface this character kind of wants to be this like punk rock icon. Mm-hmm. But I think that like his core belief is still pretty well defined by his upbringing. Okay. And that kind of plays into his anti-authoritarianism sometimes mm-hmm. where I think his core belief is something along the lines of like I deserve everything I want. Ooh, that, that is powerful. I I think I'm getting, I'm getting the vibes. This character might be a little bit of a douche. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I, I think this is really interesting. Cause like there is, there's both in that, right? Like there's this, Oh, I have this entitlement, but there's also like, I deserve more than what this life is confining me to. Yeah, and I think that is really where the like like there there is no way he's going to be a punk rock kid in 10 years. Yeah. Like he's very much going to go the like Matthew Lillard and SLC punk route where he becomes 
he becomes just like an accountant or whatever, <laughs> whatever his family does uh, that makes them like, I'm imagining a fairly wealthy new England family. But like right now he hates that. And like once, once to just start a punk rock band, but like he's going to end up being like a wall street bro. I am so emotionally invested in this character. Like, I'm already wanting to fight you on this and be like, no, he won't. <laughs> Don't you say that about him. Uh, and I, I, I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope for his sake that his experience at, at Haunted Hill Academy changes this. It is weird how much I, like, not only hope that, but, like, am hoping that I get to prove to you that you're wrong. We'll find out together. That's the joy of the game. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see the as as the kid who uh who stayed weird, I am intrigued to see uh this boy's character progression. <laughs> yes, me too. Cool, let's move on to identities. We have six points total to spend amongst cadet, jock, legacy, nerd, outsider, rebel, and star. I think that Rebel and Legacy are going to be our two biggest draws immediately. Do you see another one in there that I'm not seeing? Um, so I think Legacy is going to definitely be the top one. Mm-hmm. And then like a side of Rebel and maybe Star. Okay. I th- like I, I feel like there's the potential for Cadet, mm-hmm. which is weird. <laughs> Um, considering that rebel is the other option, but like with the core belief of, I deserve everything I want. Like, I feel like there's kind of like a, a hardline cadet. Yeah. Possibility. Definitely. I think it really comes down to how, how much you say, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, to whoever is an authority. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to start, I'm going to put three points in legacy because i feel like mm-hmm. yeah that is hands down kind of the most defining thing about this character no that feels right for sure um and i'm gonna put one point in star because i think that is like like we were talking about with the greatest desire like that's kind of his flavor of the week is he wants to be like the the front man of a band but i mm-hmm. don't think that's all consuming enough to make it more than like a one point thing. Yeah. So what do we do with these last two points? Do we put one in cadet and rebel or is one winning you over more than the other right now? That's what I'm, I, I feel like I have to put at least one, like I have to put a point in cadet Mm -hmm. based on the fact that like we've established that I did not want to do this. And my father forced me to, and I, I conceded. I feel like there is at least enough of like a little bit of that, like, sir, yes, sir mentality. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And then one point in rebel, because like, I want to fight the system. Yeah. Cool. It feels real weird having, having points in both cadet and rebel. Uh, but I kind of love it. Oh yeah. No, I, there are no opposed identities in this is what I've learned. Like I have tried to put two together that I thought were opposed. The only time that I've gotten to actually play this game, I played as someone who had three cadet and three rebel. And it surprised me how similar they ended up being in their own weird ways. I could definitely see that there is a, and especially like 
like as as someone who was a punk rock kid when I was a teenager, mm. like there is sort of that interesting like when you first get into like anti-establishment movements, there's sort of a like conceding your own personal identity to the like authority figures of the movement. Yeah. And it isn't until you've been in there for a while that you start to like really truly develop your own approach to it. Hmm. So like, you know, everyone wears torn, torn up jeans and mohawks uh, <laughs> when they're like a 14 to 18 year old punk rock kid. Yeah. Uh, and then you see like the, the branching paths uh, that they all take. Yeah, I love this character already. Yeah. Uh sounds like this character has he him pronouns. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling Yeah. And what's his name? That is a good question. I think because it <laughs> I, I love this because it kind of checks off like all of these weird like it is both kind of a name you would expect a kind of New England pampered boy and also a punk rock kid to have. I think his name is Damien. Yeah, done. Love it. Perfect. Everyone go home. All right. Yeah. No, that's because like, you say Damien, and I'm like, oh, like I don't. I legitimately don't know if that name strikes me more as a name I would expect from like a a dude wearing boat shoes in New England, or a kid with spiky, uh, spiky dyed black hair. Now I'm just picturing someone with spiky hair and boat <laughs> shoes, and it's such a look. That is a that is a choice. It is a choice. And I think we're going to go with the last name Ashforth. I mean, of course we are. That feel Damien Ashforth. Let's see what the, he's the seventh generation. So I'm going to call him Damien Ashforth. We'll say that there have been four others before him. Uh, so he is Damien Ashforth the fourth. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Damien Ashforth the fourth. I just, I need to lay down. No, I'm fine. It's fine. All right. All right. <laughs> it is I like simultaneously both one of the best names I've ever come up with and one of the worst names. I find yeah, that is entirely <laughs> the case here. Uh like I feel bad unleashing that name upon the world because I feel like I just birthed somewhere <laughs> in the world someone named Damien Ashforth the fourth. Yeah, I truly it is your fault. Okay. <laughs> there's just a couple things mechanically on the sheet that i want to point out for our listeners uh your current fate points is right below your name uh you start with three and in this game you refresh to three every time we play we're only playing this one time uh and then your academy standing by default starts at c in some cases i do let people start a little higher but i think unless you feel very strongly i i think that damien is probably starting at a c as well no c c feels right okay good <laughs> might be even a little bit generous but <laughs> but i'm i'm willing to believe that if nothing else his father's pull made sure that he's starting at a c yeah it's going to be very like it could happen but him getting expelled feels like he's going to have to do some real, real damage. Cool. All right. So there are a couple different ways that we can bring ourselves into this space and start this game. We did not really cover the Forbidden Wing in our intro, so I just want to make this clear to the folks at home. 
Uh, Haunted Hill Academy has a few different main wings. There's East Wing, which is the dormitories. There's the South Wing, which is the academic wing. Everything that actually makes the school a school. All of the classrooms, the administration, the gymnasium, the auditorium. And then you have the North Wing, which is called the Forbidden Wing, uh, which is literally a third of the school, and it is off-limits to students. So... My question to you is, how do you want to spend our time together today? We could do this as kind of a slow burn, have you start your second week of classes. It's Monday, you are going to classes, but there's, you know, some sort of temptation to go toward the Forbidden Wing. We could start in media res in the Forbidden Wing and find out through flashbacks how you got there and what's happening to you. Or if we're feeling... Yeah, I, I have a feeling this isn't the vibe we're going for, but I'm just going to pitch it anyway, since this is one that's fun for a lighter game. It could be the night of homecoming and you could be looking for a date. <laughs> oh, that is that is <laughs> that that is a blame thing <laughs> that like I really want to say yes to, uh, but it, it doesn't necessarily feel like a Damien thing. Cool. I do. I really. I, I do actually really like the idea of starting like in media res, where like, like immediately something weird is happening in the Forbidden Wing, and then we kind of do flashbacks to see, yeah, how this happened. Particularly for a one shot, like that feels like a good, yeah, a good sort of uh, of story arc. Cool. I love that. Then I think we will do that. So the way I'd like to start off is I'm going to describe the room that you are in, and I would like us to take turns going question by question. We'll ask each other three questions to clarify the current scene, and then we'll get started. Perfect. So we see Damien in a room with stone floors and brick walls, four walls, uh, lots of empty shelves in this room wooden shelves they look pretty sturdy pretty dusty this is a room that no one's been in for a while from the looks of it lots of cobwebs there is only one door in and out of this room and there's lots of shelving in this room but not a whole lot of objects in it the question i have for you damien is how are you in this room physically? Are you standing? Are you crouched down? What is your current posture? I think I am crouched down. Mm -hmm. I think breathing a little bit heavy. Yeah. Um, my hair, which is normally kind of immaculately quaffed, is a little bit disheveled. Uh, holding a flashlight. Mm, mm-hmm. Cool. What question would you like to ask me? What, what object of interest is in this room? Yeah, I think where you're crouched with the flashlight breathing heavy is in front of an open cabinet. And in that cabinet, there is a small stone statue. It's pretty old. And it is shaped like a kind of vaguely snake shape. 
but someone has gone over and added uh, a bunch of detail to the face of this snake, this serpent being, and it is uh, grotesque and detailed. And that is the thing that you have found in this cabinet. I love it. (laughs) My question for you is what can we hear just outside this room? What is the sound on the other side of the door? I, well, with, with the object you just gave Damien, (laughs) I feel like what we hear on the other side of this door is almost like a soft sound of something long and scaly dragging itself across the stone of the hallway. Yeah. What question do you have for me? What, what detail of the thing outside the door did Damien see before he came in here? Hmm. That's a great question. I want to make you answer it, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's see. I think Damien didn't see a mouth or teeth necessarily, but he does think that this thing has a pretty clear mouth, though he did not see it because he saw the drool and or venom dropping from it. I like that a lot. And you caught like a very clear strand of that with your flashlight. That's not unsettling at all. No, it's totally fine. My final question for you. You are currently alone. Was that the case when you entered? Oh, that's good. I feel like the answer has to be no. (laughs) I admit it's a very leading question. I yes is also an interesting answer, but yeah, I feel like who was in, who came into the forbidden wing with me. I think we can discover it. If you're not sure, I think that can be a really fun thing to discover as we play. Yeah, let's do that. We can do that with with a flashback because I have a couple ideas and I feel like we can see as this story progresses, which one is more interesting. Cool. So I, I will just say for now that no, I was not alone. Excellent. That's very in keeping with the podcast title. It is. <laughs> we have to we have to name drop ourselves every every so often. You got to keep the brand alive. Do you have one last question for me? Yeah, let me. I think to seed a possible flashback. Which uh which which teacher at Haunted Hill Academy mentioned this stone statue in their class? That is going to be Professor Ivy. And she actually specifically teaches, she's a history and literature teacher, but you are taking her elective uh, local folklore. Excellent. That is definitely, I don't know if, if Damien likes that class, but that is a, that is a <laughs> blatant class if I've ever heard one. 
<laughs> awesome. So, Damien, as you sit crouched, breathing heavy, looking at this statue, this thing outside, you can hear it moving slowly. And then you hear it stop. You hear silence. What are you most feeling in this moment? I think I think there's a, a, a lot of intrigue because this thing that I've been looking for is in front of me, but I, I think that as much as he, he hates to admit it, uh, definitely fear right now. Um, and I think like, as I think maybe he was like moving slowly closer to this statue. And once he hears the movement, stop Damien just kind of like stops dead and like looks at the door. Hmm. Mm hmm. Um, and sees if, I don't know if there's lighting in the forbidden wing or anything like that, but like maybe like trying to see if like, maybe he can notice anything under the, like under the door, like if there's any shadows being cast from the hallway or anything like that. Cool. I think this is going to be a role. I think you tell me what identity you want to roll with. This feels like an outsider role to me, which I know is zero for you. But if you can make a case for why any of your other identities would help you be still as the dead right now, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I don't think I think with what how I'm approaching this, I, the only other option uh, I could think of would maybe be like nerd with like trying to like look for signs signs of this thing under like in the crack under the door. Mm -hmm. um, both of those are zero. So, okay. Uh, I don't, I don't think that I can make a case for any of the skills that I actually have or any of the identities. I actually have points in. Cool. Would you agree with me that the stakes are high right now? Uh, oh, I, but I, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> Great. Then this is going to be a difficulty too. Okay. Got my dice. Very nervous about this. <laughs> that is not what I wanted to see. Um, it's a negative two. Okay. If that, if like, if inverses <laughs> help me here. Well, let's see. Uh, that is, in fact, more than three lower than what we were looking for, uh, which it as for the rules of this system mean I can make something bad happen here if I so choose. I mean, it feels, it feels right. It feels right. I think your flashlight, the only source of light in this room, begins to flicker on you and then goes out. Mm -hmm. Your eyes are adjusting to total darkness as you hear the door creak open. And you hear that sliding sound, that sound of scales against the stone floor. I, I, I think I'm going to look around very quickly to see if like, maybe there's like some, some place I could hide myself. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, there is that cabinet that you were just looking at. You could, you know, ball yourself up in there if you want. I, I will try that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is going to be another role to hide. I think that 
trying to move in the darkness is going to be difficult. And I think we can agree the stakes are just as high, if not higher, than they were. So this is difficulty three. They still have not changed. Yeah, so let's... uh, That's not... Not great. Yeah. And that is uh, a one. So not a success. Not a success. Okay. So you are not able to hide in this moment. I think the first thing you feel is the change in temperature. As this thing gets closer to you, the room gets colder. You can feel like, you know, that feeling of when your breath is so hot, it's the only heat around you. Yeah. Yeah. You can feel your own body heat as it's being drained from you is the the warmest thing in this room right now. As this thing looms over you, you cannot see it, but you can feel its presence. It has found you. Thank you to Jeffrey for the really cool game and for agreeing to run it for me. Thank you to you for listening. If you like what you heard, be sure to head to Kickstarter on October 11th to support Haunted Hill Academy. Our theme song is Everybody Knows My Name by Harley Poe. Thank you to Joe Whiteford for letting us use it. Join us on September 17th for part two of Haunted Hill Academy with Jeffrey Hayes. And until then, remember that you are strong. You are beautiful. And you are not alone. But in the